This episode of The Taylor Stevens Show is brought to you by listeners, readers, and patrons. If you'd like to learn how to support this podcast, please visit www.patreon.com slash taylorstevens. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of kick-ass international thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. And Taylor, while it seems like we just spoke a week ago because we had a podcast a week ago, it's actually been a month. We recorded four episodes back to back to back to back, and then we recorded my reaction to those four episodes, and we did promise that we would deliver that this week. So that's what we're going to use for the intro material today instead of our normal chit-chat. So we'll just go right to the reaction audio, and then we'll come out of that and get to the topic, which is what to do when your material just isn't working. So my reaction, initially, you know, we did this in four different parts after the intro, but you were seeing it for the first I was time seeing all it for in the, one go. I had read it, and you sent it to me without the track changes on. So I didn't know what had been changed, but I used the word trick of comparing your version to my version so I could see what was changed, but I couldn't see your comments. I could just see that a lot of it, a lot of it was changed. And I read through your version, and I, I loved it. It was just so much better than mine. It was, I mean, it was really good. But there was one section, I think it was the first section that we did, um, so it would have been the second episode in the five-part series, that was brutal. I mean, I was just sitting here. At one point, I just was leaning back in my chair with my eyes closed, just listening, because I couldn't even look at the screen. Oh, my God. But I was hearing everything that you said, and, and that, was, that was tough. And then the, ne- the rest of it was... Here are the fixes. Here's the old thing. Here's the new thing. Here's why I did this. And that was so incredibly instructive that I think this is one of the most useful Hack the Craft tutorials we've ever done uh, because there was so much good information there, hopefully not just for me, hopefully for everybody that was listening as well. But, you know, it's like everything in life. (laughs) Sometimes you got to get through the hard stuff to get to the good stuff. I just think that our listeners owe you a debt of gratitude for being (laughs) willing to put this out there because like Steve and I have a really good working relationship. I could have sent that all to Steve and we could have all done it in private. And that's one thing, but to let himself see my comments, which sometimes maybe I don't word my comments as well as they, cause I, you know, calling Reggie creepy that, might have been. I, I didn't mean it in a bad way, but you know, when you're on the receiving end of that, it, it could it could feel really, really rough. And so to let himself put himself in that position of vulnerability, knowing that something was coming, but not know what, and to hear it for the first time at the same time that our audience was hearing it, that is so incredibly brave, and it's also incredibly generous. So you guys really owe Steve a a lot of gratitude for us even to be able to have that level of in-depth 
constructive tearing things apart, putting it back together on the show. And it's something that I can't do with other people's material. The only reason I am emotionally capable of doing it is that Steve and I already have such a good working relationship together that I know that he trusts me and I know that he knows that I'm not coming at this in any way malicious. I'm not trying to mock him or make him feel bad. And 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 even knowing that, I know he was feeling defensive. I know it. he hasn't said it to me, but I know it because I'm human too and I know how I get. And so um, I just, I, I couldn't do that with anybody else's work. So because he's allowed us to do it with his we owe him for that. We seriously do. Well, and the flip side of that is, as you said in the very beginning, we normally do this with like three to 500 word pieces. And this was 2,000 words, I think. It was, I, I lost, I, I haven't gone back and rechecked, but it was, it was a chunk. It was a big chunk. So it was a massive amount of work on your part as well. I, I know that we all like to think that it's easy for you to do this stuff. And maybe it is easy for you to go in and make the changes. But the hard part then would be to explain why you made the changes. Right? And, yes. <laughs> and, and, and walk us through step by step in a way that makes sense to not only people who are watching the video, but, per, but for people who are listening. So, I mean, that's a tremendous amount of work. And that really is, is why we have, why we, why Taylor has the, the Patreon page. Um, because this is so much work and there's so much that goes into it, that's a great way to say, I really got a lot out of this and thank you so much for doing it. And let's do some more of these because that was great. Um, so that's Taylor Stevens. It's, um, I keep getting that wrong. It's patreon.com slash Taylor Stevens. So if you're not a patron, uh, please consider it at any level that you're, that you're comfortable with. I know Taylor is thrilled with every, everything, every contribution is, is something that's useful and tells her that you enjoy the work. It's now, I'd, true. I'd love to tell you what this week's topic is, but since we're not going to record the next show for another five weeks, I have no idea what it is. But Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> we, will loop, we will loop this in. Taylor, tell us about <laughs> this week's topic. This week's topic is not a hashtograph show. That's all I know. I can bust my brain. <laughs> and, and since we're recording this in advance, by the time that you guys actually listen to it, I'll have gotten done with uh, the copy edits on Liar's Legacy, because that's what I will be going directly into after we turn off the recording session right now. Oh, yep, that's right. It is June 3rd now. And when when is this due back? You said the 13th. 13th. Yeah. So you have yeah. 10 days to get through the copy mm, edits. Yeah. And um, I've also, now that um, my contract has been fulfilled, more or less, these kind of minor housekeeping things and deadlines are winding down, I have opened back up the Fulcrum, which is Monroe number six, which if you are a patron, you already know all about. And if you're not a patron, you should become one (laughs) so you can know all about it. And um, that's my next goal. I, I don't know that it will ever be published, published, but I have work that I've invested heavily in, and I have to, for my own peace of mind, finish these books. So that is a very scary time for me, because I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. Thank you, patrons, for allowing me that space to breathe. And um, so, yeah, Monroe number six, that is my next goal. All right, now let's get to this week's topic. Okay, so... 
um, I am coming out of just a fugue state of, you know, we had that really high intensity work. And then I finally had a chance to start working on some of my own stuff. And I've gone back to the fulcrum. And I went from uh, with Fulcrum is Monroe number six, and there's a whole story behind that. I don't know if it'll ever get published, but it's a book that I have to finish writing for my own sanity. So I went um, basically just hardcore month after month after month after month trying to get Liar's Legacy finished. And it was just so hard. It was so hard. And then finally, um, I, we worked on this this big podcast recording. There was a lot of work that went into that. And then I got the, the copy edits back, which was um, quite intensive as well. Very uh, intense deadline. But also because of the way Liar's Legacy was done, it's probably the most difficult story I've ever novelized. I'm not going to say it's the best story or the best written, but it was the most difficult for me to get on the page because there's so many moving parts. And because of that, and because of missing my deadline by six months, I never had a chance to go back and rewrite and, and really make sure that the material was as good as I could get it, I had one time, one chance to read the book all the way through before it went off to copy editing. So when I got the copy edits back, um, it was me trying to make it as good as I could. Like it was a chance for me to do a rewrite, but trying not to mess with it too much at the same time and then ruin all the copy editor's work. I mean, if you just rewrite it all, then everything that the copy editor did is pointless and it needs another copy edit, which is not going to get. So I went directly from that. Then we, then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, I, I'm finally free. Like I, I can start working on what I've been wanting to work on for two years now. And so I opened back up the fulcrum which I hadn't looked at for months and months and months and months and months and months. And I started reading it and I was just head in my hands going, Oh my God, this is just awful. <laughs> <laughs> and so knowing myself, like after having just come off this just emotional hell, just awful. I, I can't even put to you how bad, I was, what kind of emotional and mental state I was by the time I finished Liar's Legacy. I I did not need to go and do that to myself again. I, I needed to to get my head back in the game. And if I, I the, the moral of most stories is just get the damn thing written and then you can go back and make it pretty. But I can't write something that I don't even remember sort of what the story was. And if it's all like, awful leading up to where I'm at, then I'm just going to be back in the same position I was before. So I was like, all right, I need to go back to the beginning on this story and just start hitting the the issues that I feel are not working, that are, are, are not good. And so the first two chapters required a lot of time, intensive, uh, intense time, not because they weren't well written, but because I felt that the elements weren't in the correct order, that it wasn't fully giving the impact that it needed to give in the right times, and just kind of trying to get it to read the way that I wanted it to read took effort. And then it was done. I was like, okay, I finally got that done. And I just 
blew through chapter three. Chapter three was just like almost nothing. I was like, awesome, I'm on a roll. And I hit chapter four and it was like running right into a wall. And I work, I've been working the same um, opening of the chapter for like day after day. And I finally think like, okay, this is what it's supposed to be. And I'll leave it and come back the next day. And no, no, that's not what it was supposed to be. And I'll try again. And it's just wasted time. And it's so maddening. And I can't just leave it and move on because it's going to get worse and it's going to get worse. I've got to get the material that's already written as good as it can be so that I can let go of it and move on. So it finally got to where I was like on day three, writing the same freaking one page over and over, and it's not working. And as you Why all know, is it not working? I, um, well, that that is the issue, isn't it? Why? And if I knew why, I would have fixed it. <laughs> and I, I couldn't, I couldn't get to work. And so I, uh, at that point, uh, Steve had sent me some more material uh, of, of this book that he that he's working on that, you know, we the last podcast were, were based off of. And so I was like, OK, well, let me go work on Steve's stuff because it's so much easier for me to work with somebody else's material than it is for me to work with my own. And at least I'll get something done. So I'm working through his chapter and it's just like, oh, such a relief <laughs> to work with his material. And the, it got to a point in in this chapter, where I was like, okay, I felt like I needed to add some details, some description. And when you add the description, there's got to be some kind of character reaction that goes to it. Otherwise, it becomes very dry and, um, and just sort of a, a running, like, kind of like how dialogue can become a running transcript if we don't have that character emotion inserted into it, uh, showing what the character sees can kind of become the same way if the character's not having any kind of internal response to it. And since I was adding this material, I also needed to add the internal response. It wasn't anything that Steve had done wrong or that he had omitted. It was me going, I think we could beef this up here, whatever. And he might read it and go, oh, no, I don't like that and take it out, which is totally his prerogative. But if I'm going to do one, I had to do the other. And so as I was thinking about that and I was I actually went out and did manual labor outside just to 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 get as far away from this as possible. I started um, sanding down it. I pressure washed a deck, <laughs> a really really like a thirty year old deck that I I've wanted to to make pretty and, and usable. I've taken on this outdoor project to get away from the desk. And so anyway, I'm out there and I'm thinking about this and thinking about this as I'm letting stripping years of mold off this wood in a very OCD-like manner. It's quite satisfying, actually. Um, and I'm like, the same thing that I'm working with on Steve's material is why my chapter's not working. This is the wall that I've run into. And it, and it, it kind of made me understand what it is that wasn't working. And so here it is. This chapter that I've hit this wall on. It is a change of scenery. It's a change of place. It's a change of tempo. And it's also the first time, like up until this fourth chapter, we've had dialogue. We've had information thrown at us. 
We've had movement, but we've not actually been deep inside the character's head. We're just close enough that we're not like this bird's eye view observer that we try and avoid, but we are not deep inside the character's head. We are being sort of told, shown what happened to get us to this point. And it continued on in that vein, and it fell flat because we have not been allowed close to the character. And I realized, well, I've spent a lot of time away from this character. And for me to do right by this, it means crawling deep down inside her head again. What is she feeling? Why is she feeling this? What's her strategy? And to find a way to articulate that that doesn't turn into navel-gazing, doesn't turn into slowing down the plot. And, I mean, that is the tricky part about crafting some of these scenes is finding a way to um, to convey that information in a way that doesn't turn into navel-gazing or slowing down the plot or whatever. But it was completely absent at all up until this point in the story. And uh, in looking at what I was working on and Steve's material going, all right, I need to make sure that I have the right emotional sort of internal reaction I realized that there was zero of that in my own, and that's why it's not working. It's just detail. It's just movie. It's just stuff that's happening. But without that depth of character, it's empty. And that's what I was feeling, the emptiness. This isn't working. This isn't right. And um, those emotional beats that we've talked about before completely absent in my own material. And and I'm queen of emotional beats. So it is, it's telling that you can be at this for 10 years and hit a wall and not even know what that wall is. Do you think that the issue you're having with chapter four is just the, the time difference between now and the last time you looked at the material and the last time you looked at the material presumably you were writing and you were a little deeper into the character's head and the story do you think that is the issue here no i mean i'm sure that's part of it but i think that the place where i was when i wrote that wrote it originally, I really was doing a um, get it as good as you can right now, don't stress about it, because I've been uploading these chapters as I write them to Patreon for the patrons who are making it possible for me to, to write this book. And so my goal was to give something that's okay enough, and then I would come back and fix it later. And I guess at the time I was like, all right, this, this is close enough. You know, this is good enough. I'll, I'll figure it out. And I, the, the issue that I'm up against structurally with the fulcrum is quite similar to what I was up against with Liar's Legacy. Different characters, different setting, different everything. But there's a lot of background to cover before the the key elements, like a lot of getting characters to where they need to be. And um, it's a transitional scene. And generally, I try to put those transition pieces in memory instead of in action. So in this chapter, we've moved, this is a third location now, fourth chapter, 
uh, because we're getting her to where she needs to go. She doesn't know where she's going. She's being forced to do it against her will. She's being blackmailed, basically. And so starting there from that from that point, I can't just... So we have to get her away from where she was. Now we're expecting her to be in a new location. So normally those transitional moments would work well in memory, but you can't do that when you're having to open the chapter and you know that the next one after that is going to take to a new location and the next one after that is going to take to a new location because it gets confusing chronologically to the reader of how many location jumps you've made, right? And and then the whole story becomes... Uh, she had done this and had done this and then that happened and then that happened and now finally here we are in the present. So I had to, ha- I have to have her in the present, but it's boring, boring stuff. And there's a lot of, um, you know, she doesn't actually really know what's going on and she's just kind of going with the flow. She's, she's kind of emotionally detached to be able to do what she, she knows she's going to have to do. And, so because of all of those elements, it's really hard to make this chapter read in a way that feels compelling. And trying to make it compelling is where I've gone kind of at the beginning when I wrote it was like, okay, this is good enough. But now it can't just be good enough. It actually has to have that emotional impact. And that's the issue. And I think I probably was up against that same issue originally. And so how are you going to resolve it? I don't know yet. I just know what it is that needs to be resolved. It could be that I'm opening at the wrong time. You know, yes, I need to have her in this particular place, but do I need to be having her do that particular thing? Should I open it sooner? Can I, you know, it's like figuring out how to structure the elements so that the reader feels engaged. We've just moved from this conversation in this this out-of-the-way place where they're discussing, do we run, do we fight, do we work with this situation and she's gone basically said, you know, this is the only option. This is the only option. I need to do what they want. And, um, Logan, who's her like soulmate, basically brother, um, has said, Oh, so you're going to sacrifice, you know, what we can possibly have in the moment for some hope that we can get something in the future. And, the other person has said, no, not us, not all three of us. She's going to sacrifice so that you and I can have a possibility of life in the future. And that's more or less how that chapter ends. And now she's in a new location doing whatever this is. And nobody really knows what it is. She doesn't know. Nobody knows. And and she's being, you know, just reeled in like a fish. So trying to communicate all of that in a, um, I don't know, an engaging way, this, mono- this, this getting you step to step, trying to figure, tr- her trying to puzzle her way through so that she can get ahead of them and outthink them. And, and find her path, doesn't know what path she's going to follow to to create some leeway against this leash that's gone on around her neck. And so she's trying to figure that out at the same time. So for me as the author, uh, it, it's this dance of information. What information can you give? When do you give it? How do you show the character? In what moment? What scenes are critical to showing all of this? And maybe I can skip a lot of the 
in between the boring stuff, the the potential navel, navel-gazing stuff, and just cut all of that and do it into a paragraph and say, here's our new location, and let's get the story moving. But to do that, I've got to sit down and look at the next three chapters and say, what can I cut? And then just start playing with the blocks of information. Here are the key pieces of information. What order can I structure them in and then start filling in the gaps and and creating the emotional moments and everything to go in between those? So it's it's sort of a um, a cut and paste like as if you had if I printed it out and this might actually be this is something that some people do and it might be helpful to some of our listeners is when you you take those particular troublesome chapters and you literally print them out and cut them apart and then you start you know putting the paragraphs in different order to see how it actually can fit and what you can discard. And I imagine that by the time I'm done, I might have compressed two or three chapters into one or two. Okay. So you came up against, you were banging your head against the wall about this scene and how to, how to make it better. And so your approach to resolving the problem instead of continuing to bang your head against the wall was to A, work on something else, and B, <laughs> go out and, and do some physical labor. And the combination of those two things gave you allowed some insight to, and allowed insight, you to, yeah. to figure out a, a direction. So I know it's like it helped me to figure out what's not working, not necessarily how to fix it, but no, realizing, okay, this is the problem. And so knowing me, I haven't fixed it yet, but my solution is going to be to look at it, big picture story and say, what can I cut? Just start cutting. Does this need to be there? Does that need to be there? Where can I open this scene in a different location? How much of this can go into memory? How much of this is actually critical to showing what's happening or can we just pick up somewhere else? And so that's going to be my challenge now. What do you mean? What do you mean? How much of this can go into memory? Uh, by memory, it's like, um, okay, if you've read Liar's Paradox, this is the first book that I really heavily relied on this technique. And it's because there are so many moving parts in that story and so many characters. And so the story, each chapter, when it opened, it would open with a character in a certain place or, you know, following the the five five elements that we know that every scene break or chapter opening needs to have, we'd establish that. And then it would the character would start drifting into their own memories of what had happened with them between now and when we had last seen them on the page, because we've had so many we jumped characters so many times, right? Mm-hmm. Like showed different characters' point of view. So if if we had had to actually show, uh, like in real time, all the things that that character had done in between the last time we saw them and now, it would get very boring and the book would get very long. So let's say a chapter opened with Holden and he's, you know, looking at the the helicopter. It's the introductory chapter of Holden. It's one of the hardest chapters for me to have written in that book. He's watching the helicopter come in and he's mad and angry and frustrated and his you know his whole thing has gone to shit he he has this captive now that um that he need that he was supposed to take alive and because of that half his team is dead and that's basically how the chapter opens and it slowly drifts into he starts telling all the things that had happened to him leading up to that point and and so that's his memory and so it's 
it's not actually happening in real time. And when it's not happening in real time, you get to cut out a lot of steps and a lot of filler because you're just in the character's memories. But it still feels like it's happening because it's written in such um, present tense uh, the language used is very vivid and very present tense, and you don't realize that this whole scene that you're reading is inside the character's head. It did, you're not actually watching it happen. It's inside the character's head. And it's only, and, and then it picks up and, and he continues on. So half the chapter is just inside his head. And that happens over and over and over again in Liar's Paradox and also in Liar's Legacy, where it's inside memory. But it doesn't feel that way, but it is. Okay. If you deconstruct it. So I'm looking at this going, how can I move a lot of these little step-by-steps? What can I delete? What can I move inside a character's memory to skip past and get us to the, the, the next phase? Okay. So have we exhausted the topic? Well, I don't know. You tell me. Have we, have we exhausted <laughs> you on the topic? No, because I can just keep talking for forever and blah, blah, blah. But I, I want to talk about things that are useful. And the point of this topic is, you know, when your material just isn't working. So I guess if I had to recap this, I would say, A, welcome to the club. You know, it's still happening to me after however many books and however many years of doing this. And... There B, there usually is a solution. Sometimes it can take a lot of effort to figure out what it is that's not working. But the very fact that you can see it's not working is what allows you to, to make it better. Blessed are ye that you can see that your material isn't working. That is gold star for you because you can, you can see it. And, and a lot of authors don't see when their material isn't working. And so by being able to figure out, knowing that it's not working allows you to try and figure out what's not working. And once you can figure out what's not working, then you can actually set about to fixing it. And hopefully it doesn't take you a month to do it like it'll probably take me. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the the concise version of everything that we just talked about. And for Patreon um, supporters, any idea when this next version... See, this is the uh, the pressure to publish. When you start talking about this stuff, then everybody's like, oh, there's going to be an update. When's it going to be? Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be part of uh, our next topic where we talk about, you know, I can, I can, I can, I can lead into what our next topic is going to be here, right? Go ahead. Um, it's the Taylor talk- Stevens show. <laughs> But Steve is really the one who's in charge. We're going to talk about if creativity can be taught. And um, that that's going to, part of that topic is that the, the pressure to publish and everything is, is kind of fed into that. And so I guess we can talk about that too when we hit the next topic. And that will be next Tuesday. So thank you guys very much for listening this week. And we'll be back again in a week. Thanks for being here, guys. Catch you next week. <laughs>